Welcome to Rumor and Innuendo, everybody. It's me, House Wrestling's Nick Hausman. And me, WWE Creative Issues, Robert Karpolis. And we are here with our Stephen P. New Year celebration on Rumor and Innuendo, where we are going to be talking to somebody that I know many of you have been excited for us to have onto the show, somebody that you all have questions about some or questions for. Hopefully we can get into some of those in the chat room here. I know Robert has a laundry list of questions he's got for you, and I've got a few as well. But Stephen... First of all, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're a really busy guy, and uh, we have, like I've said, been very excited to have you on the show here today. Thanks for having me on, fellas. I, I'm excited to be with you all as well. Ha happy New Year. Happy, hey, happy Stephen P. New Year. <laughs> I, can only, I can only say it like that now. Um, right. Well, Stephen, obviously, the reason that you and I connected is because we found ourselves in this uh, social media thread with Chris Jericho uh, a couple days ago. And, um, you know, he said a lot of things about, you know, his ability to talk about the brawl out situation. Um, and you, you had some clarifications on your end about exactly why you don't think Chris would be allowed to, to kind of speak about whatever it is that he saw that day. I didn't know if you wanted to kind of, we could start there, maybe expound a little bit about what you know about how AEW uh, contracts kind of work and, and why you were surprised by the way that Chris responded the way he did. Yeah, the reason for that, without divulging too much uh, of, of the confidentiality to which I am bound, uh, my understanding uh, is that everyone who was a quote-unquote witness to the incident at All Out 2022 uh, would have been required to have signed an NDA. Chris indicated he was a witness. Uh, that, that means to me that he would have been investigated uh, by by the law firm that was investigating the incident and would have been required to have signed an NDA. Apart from that, though, uh, it, it's my belief that AEW talent are bound to confidentiality. Uh, it's part and parcel of their policies, their handbooks, uh, and that. So regardless, uh, whether, whether Jer if Jericho was or was a witness to uh, a portion of the incident, then he's still bound by company confidentiality. Now, when you say that he was supposed to have been interviewed and, and signed an NDA as part of the investigation, does that call into question the way that you think that this investigation into to the all-out incident was conducted, or, or is that just more of an observation? It's just more of an observation. I don't know uh, how in-depth the investigation got for, say, for instance, uh, after the fact witnesses, people who came, uh, you know, essentially after uh, their kerfluffle was over. And uh, I, I don't know whether I don't know the scope of the investigation into whether it included after the fact witnesses, before the fact witnesses or anything like that. Uh, and, you know, that that hasn't that hasn't been released, obviously. Uh, yeah. And so the scope of the investigation uh, would would have to be known to, to know uh, whether or not Jericho should have been interviewed, for instance. I think what struck me the most interesting was it was Jericho interjecting himself and asking a or answering a question nobody asked him. And as someone who is obviously financially incentivized for the success of AEW, it doesn't make a lot of sense to reopen the conversation about what happened at Brawl Out because the fallout from it has not been kind to all elite wrestling. 
I, I agree. I, I mean, obviously, you know, from my side, and I'm I'm hardly objective either. You, you know, I, I have clients whose interests I have to protect. Uh, I have to zealously advocate for them. Uh, so I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here uh, and act like I'm a uh, you know a, a disinterested, objective observer either. I, I'm I'm anything but. Uh, but along those lines, to, to what you just said, uh, our side hasn't said a thing. And to just kind of reopen this 15 months later, uh, while Ace is doing well, Lucy's doing well, uh, Punk's getting ready to main event WrestleMania. Fingers crossed. Uh, it just... I was about to say, don't break any news you don't want to break here, Stephen. <laughs> oh, well, I, I, trust, trust me, I, I'm not the source for that. Uh, I said fingers crossed that that as a wrestling fan of 42 years, that's my hope. Uh, but, you know, I, our side's done well. We, we've abided by the confidentiality and and it's just senseless to kind of reopen that. Uh, at, as you indicated, Robert, there's there is no good reason uh, for anyone to to reopen that. So I have a, a couple of questions. I will try not to make this a deposition. It is an occupational hazard on both our parts here. And I will preface to those folks listening. Stephen is not avoiding anything if I ask him if he is bound by confidentiality or attorney-client privilege. We're not trying to get anybody disbarred. We tried that with Matt Jones when he was on talking about how great Kentucky was as opposed to the University of Florida. And we're not dealing with any gator bashing here, but we will keep Stephen preserved. My understanding was you were you were – brought into this a few months after the incident happened. So as a wrestling fan, were you aware of how Nick Hausman single-handedly started this whole problem? Were you aware of the, the brawl out incident? Uh, and when you got into it, were, were the facts kind of aligned with what we as the general public were, were somewhat made aware of? Uh, yes and no. Uh, I was aware uh, for reasons that I can't disclose of a lot of things that occurred uh, very close in time. Uh, That's about all I can say about that. Uh, I didn't know Houseman kicked all of that off, but that doesn't surprise me at all. You know, I went in, I I infamously went into the ring with a live microphone and called out the issues in the backstage area. And so that was me. I know a lot of people thought it was hangman Adam page, but that was actually Nick Houseman uh, under short term AEW contract. Yeah, you you brought the pastries, didn't you? I did. I did. It was me. I was pastries. But uh, to answer your question, I was involved in that situation very early on. And so even before Ace and Punk reached out a good bit later, uh, I I had been aware of, of what was going on. And in terms of what was being publicly reported, uh, who knows where all, I mean, as it's pro wrestling, who who knows where all of those stories were coming from. Some seem to be very accurate and seem to come from, you know, people with knowledge and, and some seem to be fairly off base. Which is surprising given, you know, we've talked about there is potential confidentiality language wrapped up in their contracts. I noticed that theme with all that. I noticed that with what happened at Wembley with all in that as the incidents were actively occurring we were almost getting live like blow by blow play by play um what is it and you said punk and steel reached out to you given where you are in west virginia what was it that made them say you know steven someone we want to contact or or you know how they how they got in touch with you 
I think just the fact that uh, I have I have for the past few years represented uh, a lot of people in the professional wrestling industry, uh, you know, from from everything from intellectual property work with with a guy that I collaborate with by the name of Dusty Gwynn. And we can talk about Yeet uh, and some other intellectual property matters here in just a little while. But I think that those guys were comfortable with me being really familiar with the industry itself, uh, a lot of the personalities, knowing that I had dealt with AEW's legal department before from things minor to things major. And I, I think that that probably gave those guys a, a bit of comfort with me. I'm still surprised that there are people out there who think that I'm one of Cornette's like gimmicks or something like that, you know, like his gardener, whatever his name is, or what have you. I mean, guys, I've been licensed to practice law for 25 years. I've got cases going in 10 different states. Well, I wanted to, I wanted to follow up real quick before Robert goes back down his, his path of questions. Uh, you talked about how much you've had to talk to, to AEW management in their front office in regards to other cases. What are your impressions of what it's like to communicate, I guess, at the front office of AEW? How, how do you, how, what do you glean from them, you know, just in general when you have to engage them? I, in, I, I said this on Rip Rogers podcast, uh, every, all of my dealings, uh, just progressively got better, uh, over the, the past few years. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, I've, I've only had a couple of interactions with Tony Khan, uh, and, you know, conference calls, uh, zoom calls, I think, and that those have been positive, uh, dealing with the legal department, uh, started out a little rocky. Uh, I, I think Joey Janela was, was saying that his tag team was going to use the name Midnight Express. Uh, so obviously I reached out, uh, and in the course of communicating, I, I may have called him jelly one time to which mega took great exception. But other than that, other than that, uh, nothing but positive things to say about the way I was always treated, ha have been and, and am treated. Uh, by their upper management. So interesting, you brought up Mega, which was my, my next question. In, in your dealings with them for this particular matter, was AEW fielding this out to an outside council, or was this entirely in-house? Uh, I know from working professional sports teams, we typically go to an outside council for these sort of specialized matters. I don't know if AEW has a bulked-up legal team to handle all this in-house. For what I was involved in, we were able to handle everything uh, just with their in-house counsel. Okay. And and in working with them, I'm guessing what we saw, you know, Punk was off TV, then he was back on TV. So I have to assume that, and, and A. Steel was back. So I have to assume that your goals that you set out for uh, for your clients were, were met and, and in some ways probably exceeded. I, I would say that's probably a fair read into the situation. And were you surprised um, that after all this went down and obviously all these NDAs in place that everybody was able to kind of go back and, and work together? Or did you kind of have a feeling that this might not last? I, I didn't have any feelings on it one way or the other. Uh, I, you know, I, I thought that, collision might assist that or go a long way towards that. So I, I didn't really have any strong feelings about that one way or the other. What was your reaction though? When, when ACE 
was pulled from being allowed to be a collision. And I mean, especially just, I mean, in your reaction to his termination in general, after the incident, he was the only one that really suffered like meaningful consequences. It would seem because of this. Well, I can't, I can't really speak to that because it goes to that absolutely goes to the heart of my representation. Uh, so, you know, it's, it, it was just a, a fact that we had to deal with, but it goes to the heart of the representation there. So something that's that's come out online uh, is that Ace's wife did not sign an NDA and that she is someone who has the ability to talk about what what happened there. Did you have any knowledge that she had not signed an NDA? And are you surprised that she wasn't put under one? Uh, surprised? Yes. Um, and it's just uh, that that is just a fact. Oh, absolutely. Now, when, I, and, and it just it struck me as odd because I know you mentioned with Jericho and the other folks, like obviously for AEW's sake, they're going to want everybody that was a witness to this to to keep it buttoned up. It feels like on their part, it was a big uh, lapse by All Elite Wrestling. I, I I can't speak to the 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 thinking behind it. Uh, I I just know that she's not. That's interesting. I'll be interested to hear her side of it, you know, if she ever comes out of it. I mean, do you feel like she'll ever talk about it, or do you think this is something that they're just kind of looking to move past? I think they're looking to move past. Uh, they're in such a, a, a good place now. Uh, you know, I I don't look for – I mean, Ace obviously can't. Uh, Punk obviously can't. Lucy could. But I don't think that she wants to – uh, d despite the fact that she could, because we're 15, 16 months removed from brawl out. And I really just think it, it's not on their minds. It's, it's not something that concerns them. Mm -hmm. Which makes Jericho's comments all the more concerning. Cause not only is he saying he's not under NDA, he was making potential accusations about a Steele's wife and her behavior, which feels like you're provoking her to come out and, and start saying what happened. Well, and, and I don't know the motivations, but behind that it's, it, it's, it it's is best not no to try to figure out Jericho's motivations it for is your own no health and safety to my clients to stay engaged with this. Yeah. Oh, of course. I mean, you had to be thrilled watching survivor series. Did you have any idea that punk was going to show up before he uh, walked through the curtain? I'm I'm not going to divulge any attorney client privilege there. Um, all right. I want to take one question here about the punk situation from Teddy and our YouTube channel who just we blocked out Steven's face. So I'm going to take it off the screen. Uh, he asked, uh, you know, about the Kenny Omega and the Bucks reenacting the backstage fight in the ring not long after. Now, do you feel like that violated any kind of agreements that were put in place? I mean, again, there were it was that there were other instances where it feel like the elite were kind of leaning into. Uh, making references to kind of what happened in a way that the punk at the very least was not able to, or was doing at the time. It, it was in poor taste, but I don't know that it violated any kind of NDA or anything like that. You know, it's, it's, it, it, it was the AEW equivalent of uh, Kevin Nash dressed up as Arn Anderson, dropping a bottle of beer in the ring. You know, I mean, it was just, it was really poor taste, but I don't think it violated any kind of NDA. All right. That's fair. Um, so something that that came out after the fact, when when Punk was ultimately terminated from AEW, there was a lot of talk about a disciplinary committee that AEW had that was Brian Danielson and some some lawyers. 
I'm sure you heard that story just sort of as a as a layperson, as attorney in general. Were you surprised that this came out? I mean, were you surprised that you have an active wrestler like Brian Danielson who has to make these sort of employment decisions? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not surprised uh, that that came about. Uh, based on what I know, not from my representation of anybody, but just based on what I've read, uh, you know, with, with different sources and things, has been needed uh, for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm sure they, they, they needed something. I mean, that's this whole thing certainly exacerbated because there have been you've been a fan for a long time. You know, there have been fights in the back with wrestlers for decades, but this involved executive vice presidents of the company. So that is what made this go to a much higher, much more difficult level and probably had to make your navigating through AEW that much trickier. Yeah, I, I mean, that committee has existed uh, subsequent to my representation. Uh, of anyone. So I, I haven't had to actually deal uh, with that committee yet, you know, for any kind of fines levied or anything like that. Uh, I'm sure that the day may come that, that I have to, but uh, you know, I, I haven't thus far. I just know, you know, when, when you get the, 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 the Sammy Andrade uh, situation or, you know, other violations of policies, uh, whether from on-air talent or, backstage employees or, or whomever, somebody needs to be able to, to, to effectively deal with that stuff. Well, Shawn Michaels decades ago threatened Vince with unsafe working conditions, that that was a reason why he was trying to get out of, of his contract. I was surprised that at no point in time was that ever publicly talked about with the number of things that have happened in AEW. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, some folks have, have joked about that and and things like that. Like uh, I've been to a number of, of uh, AEW shows. I, I was ringside in DC for the first show. A few weeks later, there in Charleston, West Virginia, I'm ringside there. Uh, and then uh, Charleston, West Virginia, the, the night of Kenny Omega's return, uh, <laughs> where where he compared the fans to uh, cat litter. Uh, but anyway, that very night, you know, someone, uh, I think in a trios match or something went out into the, the front row onto an eight year old girl from West Virginia. So, you know, you kind of, you know, you chuckle at those things, but, uh, I think they've been lucky, uh, so far except for, you know, some concussions and things like that. Uh, pretty lucky so far that nothing major has happened. So I want to shift gears for a moment because something that that came up of late was that you were involved in the. Oh wait, before oh, before sorry. we get to you, oh, I have one. Okay, you have. I have one. We can we can pivot to you. I was going to pivot, here. Nick. You pivot I, back. I, I, pivot I only back, have. Nick. I only have one. I'm sorry. I'm the only non-lawyer in this, so I'm sitting here <laughs> watching this like a like a courtroom drama right now, and I'm enthralled by it from that perspective. But my my question here before we get to the Yeet stuff is. As part of Punk's termination, there's all these people that claim that he had to sign some kind of non-compete or some kind of NDA pertaining to his exit from AEW. Now, we know about the NDA involving Brawlout, right? But were there any, do you know of any conditions that were placed upon Punk uh, upon his release from AEW? Or was it just, you're fired, you're out, and there are no conditions to that release? I can't really speak to that with with respect to punk. Uh, what I can say is that the contracts vary for whether or not co- non-competes remain in place, 
the, the types of terminations and that kind of thing. But in terms of him specifically, there's no way that I can get into that. <laughs> Man, sure, okay, but I, was, I will say I was surprised <laughs> when AEW made their announcement about Punk leaving that they publicly said that he had been terminated for cause, which is not something you typically see. Usually it is best of luck in your future endeavors or we have whatever. This was, in my opinion, probably the most aggressive release notice we've ever seen from a company. Yeah, it, it was clear why. Do you, do you feel like Tony's comment about how he feared for his life? Uh, <laughs> over, over Sorry, that still makes me laugh. Well, I mean, it's really funny, but I mean, I heard it too. And I was just like, that's kind of, that's super inflammatory. Like, you know, we know that there's a video out there and stuff and people, I guess, you know, maybe down the road, will get to see how threatening the situation was, but it certainly was the kind of statement that raised my eyebrow and was like, if I'm seeing punk, that's a pretty strong assertion to be being made my way. I didn't know if you thought you felt it overstepped when he made that statement. He's welcome to comment on however he felt about whatever. Closing segment. We'll wrap with Yeet here, yes. Steven. So you can so go the, back so the, to real work. Okay, go ahead. The interesting thing about the Yeet piece, and I will, you know, from what I understand, is there was a, a wrestler who had the intellectual property rights to it. Uh, and if nothing else, because I know we have a, a lot of independent wrestlers who do watch the show, it stressed the importance of why you need to protect your IP. And I wanted to give you a moment to, to touch on that. And obviously, we've seen why this is so valuable. Yeah, um, you know, it, it's pretty crazy the way that this came about. A, a, a young man uh, from Boone County, West Virginia, who wrestles for a local promotion here that, that I sponsor and enjoy a lot called All-Star Wrestling. Uh, Casey Huffman started using a gimmick, uh, Yeet, and Yeet Movement in independent wrestling. Casey had been successful. Uh, he had wrestled at NWA and uh, uh, dark matches at AEW when they were close and, and had been successful on the independent circuit. Comes to me and my partner in, in the, the sports agency and says, hey, do you guys think that you can trademark Yeet? So we undertook that, started undertaking that for him in late 2021. And uh, because of the, the nature of the phrase, uh, it was, uh, you know, a, a difficult. The U.S. Patent and Trademark Office didn't really understand uh, what a gimmick is and that kind of thing. And, and so uh, we had applied for it for pro wrestling as well as uh, merchandise. And the merchandise uh, was kind of the hang up there. Well, lo and behold, a few months ago, Jay Uso starts using it. And, you know, Casey reaches out to me. He's like, haven't we applied for that? And like, well, you've got a common law trademark regardless because you started, you know, about all I know about intellectual property law is that first use trumps. Yep. And if you started using it first, uh, more likely than not, if you can afford to go through the process, uh, first use is going to win. And so, uh, you know, we felt good about our case. I reached out to WWE once the shirt started being sold. And, uh, and, you know, I can't comment on the terms or anything like that, but uh, it, it's it resolved, uh, you know, my client's happy for Jay that, that you know, he's going to profile this on a on a much larger scale. And, uh, you know, it was just really good working with them on that. Uh, but to your point, Robert, 
if you're if you are an independent wrestler or you know if you've had some success in professional wrestling i i really think that it behooves you to invest in that part of your career if you have created uh makeup designs tattoos uh in-ring gear uh merch anything like that invest in that and, and you know uh, apply through the US patent and trademark office to trademark that stuff prove that you you know when you first started using it and that you've used it in commerce uh and and make that investment in your career guys and gals it so did surprise me that WWE didn't do their due diligence in releasing merchandise by just doing a cursory search first uh mm -hmm. when i was there we had this problem as well there was a phrase that was used that they didn't properly check it just seems like that's a that's you know 101 of intellectual property you go and search and make sure that this is something that you're actually able to use right right because they could have seen pretty clearly you know that there was a yeet being used in in connection with pro wrestling and there was a uh a trademark application pending yeah mm -hmm. and so is this wrestler and j uh and jay Uso, are the only one are they the only ones that can use the yeet catchphrase now is it off limits for other wrestlers unless they want to come to a, an agreement on it uh I, I I have to be careful here, Nick. Uh, <laughs> See, I'm not the lawyer, so I just ask like layman questions. I'm just like, you know, I don't know. What what what, what I can say is that uh, no one else uh, can use that term now. Okay, got it. So, a warning to all you indie wrestlers out there who want to get yeet tastic. I guess. Yes. <laughs> don't don't go start making yeet merch. Uh, right and selling it out there because Stephen will hunt you down. No, uh, not, not Stephen. I'm making I'm making you the Yeet Hunter. That's your that's your new your new title. I do. There's a question that someone posed here that's that's interesting. Uh, Rick Smith had asked if you had any opinions since you are a wrestling lawyer now. Uh, if you have any uh, opinions on Jerry McDivitt uh, and his departure I and guess. his departure, I guess and his departure, but more just you know in, in looking at the legal profession. I know he was. When I was younger, influential in, in me wanting to go be an attorney, uh, seeing the success that he had. I'm curious if you've had any thoughts, interactions, any of that. I, I haven't had any interactions. Um, he was at Kirkpatrick and Lockhart in Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. And yes. uh, the, <laughs> the graduates of WVU who do really well and were on law review, uh, they go to Kirkpatrick and Lockhart in Pittsburgh. And those of us who were on moot court and our trial lawyers moved back home to the coal fields uh, and make money the old fashioned way. Uh, we earn it. And so uh, those K&L lawyers are, are something else. But McDivitt's uh, results, uh, I mean, he's a proven winner. You know, he, he's got the track record uh, of being a winner, being loyal to Vince for many, many years. That loyalty was rewarded. And so, you know, what what can you say about a guy uh, whose results uh, nobody could ever question? Right. So, I mean, I think that's that's benefited you as well. You worked with Cornette. You've now worked with a number of different wrestling personalities over the years. And you've become on a national stage someone that if there's something going on with with wrestling, there's always the strong possibility that, that you know, Steven's going to wind up in there and getting that niche has got to be fantastic for, for those of us former moot court uh, members. 
It is. You know, take, for instance, the, the Joey Ryan case that I got involved with, with the uh, the wrestler Paley Sickless. Uh, you know, pa- Joey Ryan sues Paley Sickless in California and, uh, you know, makes a bunch of allegations uh, about him. And what do you know? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm on a Zoom call in a courtroom in California arguing jurisdiction motions uh, against Joey Ryan. Uh, of all people. So needless to say, I didn't do the flip. I was going to say, <laughs> what was the concern? The we we yes. won. We won. I didn't do the flip. But I lost the TRO. You know, a lot of the smart Alex, the smart marks want to remind me of uh, Cornette's loss of the TRO on the T-shirt to the independent wrestler. Or I'm sorry, he was GCW wrestler uh, Brandon Graver. A couple of years. Oh, oh, do you lost? Yeah, yeah, I lost the TR over uh, over eight hundred dollars worth of T-shirts, and Cornette was just like, uh, "Cut it off." I was hoping you were going to okay, do a Cornette. Impression. Like no one can tell a Cornette story without doing a Cornette impression. That's right. And I had a feeling you had one in your yeah. back pocket. I'm glad we got <laughs> that here. Uh, well, Stephen, I want to thank you so much for, for coming on and giving us some of your time today. We will definitely have you back to talk some other less like, I, I mean, Robert really, I felt like put you under a spotlight here tonight and made you like, you know, sweat a little bit. I mean, you know, least... hey, it, there's no sweat on me. Robert's just really good at what he does, but, uh, you know, uh, it's been my pleasure guys. I'm so sorry for the technical difficulties we had. That's what I get for using a MacBook instead of a PC. Right. So we'll, we'll, we'll get it we'll right. In the AEW devil. Yeah, we'll get it right next time. Steven, thank you so much. Anything you want to plug here before we wrap it up with you today? No, I'll plug my own uh, wrestling podcast. Uh, it's uh, five guys from Southern West Virginia who are just, you know, big time wrestling fans. House of Kayfabe, or you can find me on Twitter uh, at Stephen P. New, uh, newlawoffice.com. Uh, I thank you guys so much for having me on. I always love to talk wrestling uh, with really really great guys like yourselves and uh thank you for having me on today no problem steven we'll see you another time take care my friend bye all right steven p new we made it happen well hey for everybody who tuned in here today thank you so much please leave a review on the podcast feeds we always appreciate you i'm nick hausman house of wrestling i'm uh, ww creative issues robert carpolis best of luck in your future endeavors